1: back to another episode of the OFNT podcast. OFNT stands for Old Fart, New Tech. I'm your host and resident Old Fart, Jim Schaefer, and the podcast, at least to me, is The New Tech. I hope this finds you well and you're having a great week. As usual, we're coming to you from the studios of the Factual Data Creations Facility vaccines for everybody have you gotten your jab i haven't and i'm debating whether i should bother at all hey did you buy or sell any nft items blockchain to the future boulder colorado mass casualty event agenda not followed so you won't be hearing much and hey my home state is legalizing marijuana let the tax revenue roll All right, we're going to start off with some tech news, as usual. I've talked about my experiences with uh, Chromebooks in the past and still have an interest in them. The problem is that there doesn't seem to be a model from any manufacturer that fits all my needs. While reading an article on CNET.com, which was making the case that Chromebooks would be sufficient for most people's needs, I found myself agreeing with the author, but have two problems with Chromebooks and Chrome OS. The first problem I've already mentioned. I can't find a Chromebook which has all the features I want. Because of my old fart eyes, I need a great screen, and I must have a backlit keyboard. You just can't find these two features together at a decent price. If I'm going to spend $800 plus, well, I'll just get a MacBook Air, thank you. Lenovo has some interesting models, but they have a garbage webcam in them, and way more than other manufacturers' models. The second problem I have is the data mining that Google does. For a personal machine, I'd go for something which offers more privacy. For business use, well, I'd consider Chromebooks, which leads me to the next item. I work for the government, don't hate me, and of course my union pushed hard, as they always do, to elect as many Democrats as possible. The reasoning is that the DNC looks out for government workers. Well, I recall under Obama, my pay was frozen for two years and my military retirement was also frozen for longer than that. The current administration has slashed my agency's operating budget and with it, the overtime budget as well. If you're not aware, while government jobs offer security, pay and pensions don't come close to what an equivalent civilian job would. So the chance to pick up some extra cash when you want or need it is a luxury some get very dependent on. I don't rely on overtime, but it was still nice knowing it was there if needed. This all has me thinking of starting an online business that would include my entire family and with my impending retirement, give me another source of income while being able to work from home. While researching business software solutions, of course, Office 365, G Suite, or Spaces, whatever it's called now, were the main contenders, but while reading some reviews, another contender from India popped up. It's called Zoho. Zoho offers more than Microsoft and Google's offerings at a cheaper price. The security of the company seems to check out. I'll have to do a little more research to be sure. And I'll keep you posted when I launch, which will be who knows. And to continue sort of in this vein, ZDNet.com has the headline, Microsoft Exchange Server Attacks. They're being hacked faster than we can count security company that's an unquest a hell of a headline yep this is a major problem that the people from redmond washington would like to have disappear and pronto ms exchange is used by large multinationals and governments around the world which makes it a huge target for all types of hackers state-sponsored criminals and plain old curious hackers the only real competition is google's business suite but do we really know how secure that is Linux was supposed to be a contender, and I remember reading about some local governments here and abroad who had tried to implement a Linux solution. Most have switched back because the customer service many of these Linux business solution companies left these organizations wanting. That's because with governments, the lowest bid usually wins a contract, and we all know you get what you pay for. That's another reason why I'm looking at Zoho for my little side gig. Right now, the company is microscopic compared to the big guns. Just saying. Researchers at the security company F-Secure say that only half the servers visible on the Internet have applied the patches to fit the vulnerabilities in MS Exchange. The firm warns that this is a disaster in the making. Well, so much for the leadership over in Redmond. And no, I still haven't forgiven Microsoft for dropping Windows Phone. Just think, if they hadn't, I'd most likely not only be rocking a Windows phone, but I'd probably have a Windows-based desktop and a Surface Pro laptop instead of an iPhone, iPad Air, iMac, MacBook Pro, and MacBook Air. Eh, It's their loss. CNET.com is reporting that the Korean conglomerate Lucky Group, better known as LG, is looking to shut down its smartphone business rather than sell it. Yeah, it's too bad. I remember back when the LG Chocolate was the phone to have, and remember my son's Nexus phones, which were manufactured by that company. The Nexus 4 he had served him well, as did the Nexus 5 he rocked, which made me somewhat envious. We bought a Nexus 5X for a relative, and I remember thinking how cheap it felt compared to the other Nexus phones that LG had manufactured. The 5X barely lasted a year before self-destructing while charging one day. I don't know what went wrong. You know, I still swear by LG branded televisions. (music) Tech I'm using. About six years ago, when I first started using iOS, I decided I needed an app to store important information. You know, stuff like bank and credit account numbers, loan information, things like that. I used an app like this on Symbian previously and saw that the developer of that app called Safe Vault was based in Germany, I believe, had ported a version over from Symbian to iOS. I paid the price for the app and have been using it since. This was before the password keepers of today, and this app was simple, but I liked it that way. I've just had an update to the app and noticed it has added a bunch of new features, including the aforementioned password keeping function. I also noticed that the name of the app has changed to Password Manager Pro, dot. That's right, there's a dot in the title. I don't know how long ago that happened, and more shockingly, the developer is now located in China. China. The developer's name is even in Chinese characters, and most recent reviews state that there is no customer service to be had nowadays. I don't know when this change occurred, but I do know I don't want any sensitive data of mine going to China. China. I've decided to go with a new app, but it must not have a subscription model and not keep data in China. China. I've pretty much decided on Password Manager Data Vault. It meets those requirements and has an app for iOS and Mac. Do you use this sort of app? And if you do, let me know which one you use. Entertainment news. Well, there's not much happening here. I'm just waiting for the Showtime series City on a Hill, which actually premieres this evening, and the King Kong vs. Godzilla flick to drop on HBO Max next week. I'm still running through episodes of Star Trek Discovery on Paramount+, Plus, but my pace has slowed down. I'm also wondering when new seasons of You and Ozark are going to drop on Netflix, along with some of my favorite Amazon original series like Bosch. These series got me through the lockdown phase of the pandemic. Major League Baseball starts April 1st, but the way the Yankees are looking this preseason, I'm really going to need those television series. Also, the MLB TV app is buggy this year. If you have any recommendations for me, want you to do me a favor and draw me an email. i appreciate it. Podcast news. Old Joe Rogan has done it again. He's gone and insulted the trans crusaders who have called on their good buddies, the cancel culturalists, to eliminate the man because he says upsetting things. This is all from podnews.net. During a recent episode of the Joe Rogan Experience, the host was in a discussion with guest Jim Brewer, who's very funny. The following was said, there are idiots who become trans and now all of a sudden we think they're amazing those quotes. So hurtful. What I find hurtful is the constant ramming down people's throats of how we're supposed to think. Enough with this wokeness. It will eventually backfire. I just hope I'm alive to see it. I wonder if Mr. Rogan is regretting going to Spotify exclusively. For a hundred million dollars? Eh, probably not would be my guess. Insiderradio.com reports that true crime is still the fastest growing genre in podcasting. I remember the old days when a true crime podcast was just someone reading a Wikipedia page. Now, of course, big studios with big money are behind these shows. I can see the allure of them, but I don't listen to any of them myself. Perhaps one day, if I want to get any ideas about how to commit a crime, a survey conducted by Variety and YouGov finds that only 16% of podcast listeners are willing to pay for that pleasure. This is down from the 20% that were in favor of paying in the last survey conducted June of last year. This again from an article on insiderradio.com. Despite this, many big money hosts are putting more shows behind a paywall. Yes, I'm looking at you, Spotify. Again, I'll quote Adam Curry, "Advertisement is a form of censorship." And I'd add that corporate sponsorship is, too. Just look at the misnamed National Public Radio and its affiliates. They get most of their funding from big business political entities, the Soros Foundation, for example, and some tax money on top of that. But if you think what they report is balanced, well, there's a bridge in Brooklyn I'd like to sell you. This week's podcast show's hosting movement list, that's a mouthful, that's put together by podnews.net, has Anchor.fm still kicking butt, gaining 166 shows, while the mass exodus from SoundCloud continues with the service losing 88 shows, 48 to Anchor alone. The exodus from Libsyn has slowed a bit, with the company losing only 45 shows. It's looking as if Spotify-owned Anchor.fm is the future of independent shows. I just can't get around their statistics, so I'll stay put. Maybe if I wanted to launch a new show, I'd consider them. Red Circle, another free host, picked up 41 new shows. Free seems to be the way independents are going. Can you blame them slash us? We've been getting squeezed out since 2020, and COVID-19 has done nothing but accelerate this. Spotify's goal of being the place to listen to podcasts is happening. Too bad the company doesn't use the podcast index. I wonder why SoundCloud is bleeding shows so heavily. Has there been a change over there? And I'm going to say it. Libsyn seems to be in trouble. Their financial problems, terrible user interface, and pricing are catching up with them. Hopefully the expensive new management they've recently brought in helps the situation. (laughs) Finally, back on episode 68, I talked about an article I read on podcastmovement.com by author Cara McGurk-Allen. In the article, she pointed out how hard it is to be an independent podcaster and called for the formation of an organization for independent podcasts, something I've called for numerous times myself. She also shared that something along those lines exists already. It's called the Independent Podcast Network. The network has two tiers, one free and one pay, with the paid tier guaranteeing more income and channels. The network must approve your show and has a statement on their website that you can disagree, but you must be nice. Well, I submitted my show, and I guess I'm not nice enough for them. They haven't even acknowledged my existence. I haven't heard anything in the months since applying, so so much for that." Time for my rant, and unfortunately for some of you out there, it's going to be a sensitive one. You know, I'm old enough to remember when women first started pouring into the workplace. As a young man at the time, this brought me much joy, as I found and still find women a lot easier on the eyes than men. Sure, there were some obstacles, but women adapted, and some even took advantage of the situation. Older guys, and maybe some of you younger guys, know exactly what I mean. As more non-clerical jobs opened to them, women streamed into those jobs too. A lot of them tried, but because of biology, couldn't really perform as well as their male counterparts. Now, most at least tried, and I have the utmost respect for them. There there were a number, though, that uh, just wouldn't even attempt to do physical labor, and that just put more strain on the men. Pay was equal, but less was done by these types. What I'm witnessing now, at least from reports in the press and MSM, is especially in Silicon Valley, women who make more money in a few years than I will ever make in my lifetime will still blame any failure under their management on toxic masculinity, the patriarchy, whatever that is, sexism, and of course, when all else fails, racism. Now, how about they, and excuse the saying, man up, or should I say, grow up and accept responsibility for their own mistakes? I'm not saying none of those isms and such don't exist, but in my experience, they aren't responsible for failures as much as you and they think. Along with supposed equality comes equal responsibility, and the ability to take responsibility, especially when you're the person in charge. And that's just as usual, my opinion on that. Episode 72, I'm afraid, is at its end. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you, and I hope you found it worthwhile. You can always contact me at OFNTpodcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined. Tell me what you like and dislike. I'd love to hear from you. So be safe, and I'll see you next week. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Now, blame somebody or something for your failures. And kindly, get off my lawn. I'm out. Catch you next time, guys.